0: It's the last episode of the series. Let's make it a good one. You're listening to the Piston Podcast, the motoring podcast for the motoring enthusiast, presented by me, Daniel Achterhouse. Each episode, I dig deep into the world of cars with news, reviews, and other random motor talk. From engine cars to EVs, I'm here to entertain you whilst you're nipping through traffic or even whilst you're stuck at home trying to change your exhaust. But warning, I may ramble on about Fiat Pandas. You've been warned. Anyway, engage launch control, it's time for the Piston Podcast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you have heard that correctly. It's very sad, but hopefully this is going to be good. It is the last episode of Series 3 already. It only seems like last week Series 3 was starting, and Series 3 has been, I think, I say this at the end of every series, but it's been the best series for the Piston Podcast. Not because of me, but because of the cars we've reviewed, the people we've talked to. You know, we've got a a lot of new listeners. It's been really, really amazing. So... Let's celebrate Series 3 with a special, because we haven't actually done a special on uh, Series 3 of the Piston Podcast yet, so I think it's about time. Now, this special is going to be a bit different, because no, I'm not joined by a guest, and no... I'm not doing what I'd usually do. Um, I think the last special was a motorbike special, and the one before that was a Goodwood Festival of Speed special, uh, remembering 2019 festival, because 2020 sort of didn't happen, did it? Um, this time, the show is dedicated to a very specific car. Now, I've teased this for the past two weeks, and I'm not going to tease it anymore, because it's in the title, you know. This episode is all about my dream car the fiat panda 100 horsepower now please don't turn off this podcast now you've heard that it's going to be very 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 good indeed so as i said this is episode 15 of the third series recorded today on the 8th of may 2021 oh it's so sad i'm quite emotional actually it's the last episode and after this um i'm probably gonna be really bored and then immediately start series four um, unfortunately, it won't happen, I've got to have a bit of a break and recharge my batteries before Series 4 happens again. It will be happening, Series 4, just want to make that clear. Um, I'm Daniel Acthouse, presenter, I'm on social media at carzo 5 so that's Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can find me on there where I'm constantly tweeting and Instagramming random things about my car-related, bicycle-related, everything, motor-related life. So please give me a follow, and also the Piston Podcast is on Twitter, at Piston Podcast, so please make sure you are following the podcast over there, and please support the podcast by uh, subscribing, or following, or sharing it with your friends, or leaving a positive review, because it really, really helps climbing the podcast chart, and I just really appreciate it, really, it's very, very kind of you, and if you have done any of this already, then a massive thank you again. So, enough promotional nonsense, I think we should get started. First of all, I think we should start off by talking about a brief history. How the Panda 100 horsepower, 100 HP, whatever you want to call it, came to this earth, and it's quite a long-winded story, I'm actually going to start in sort of the late 50s, early 60s, and that is when, you know, the classic Fiat 500, a very, very iconic car, um, came around, and it was it was a massive car for Fiat and the entire Italy. It basically was what the Beetle was to Germany, what the 2CV was to France. It was a people's car, and it was amazingly iconic. Abarth then got involved, tuned the car to hell. I say to hell, gave it an extra, you know, n- not not a massive amount of extra horsepower, but it definitely made a difference. And they made a hot hatch version of the 500, the Abarth 500. As you all well know, you know, most car enthusiasts, if not all car enthusiasts, know what the Abarth 500 is. It's just one of them cars, isn't it? And if you, even if you don't like cars, you should know what that car is. So Abarth basically sort of, got famous because of that that car, the Abarth 500. But then, when the Abarth 500 was discontinued, around the 70s time-ish, I think, I can't, I can't remember the exact years, but I'm just going to estimate it, Abarth sort of died a bit, and it could, it could have been something to do with money, or competition being too good for them, or something like that. But Abarth was around, but it was around as more of a tuning company, rather than um, a specific car brand, so they, they sort of supplied the parts for Fiat's rather than made bespoke cars. That's a better way to describe it. So, of course, there was sort of the Abarth Fiat Cinquecento and Abarth Fiat Seicento, but they were not true, Ab- true Abath, okay? They were just Fiat's with Abarth parts. They were a part specialist, and Fiat nicked the parts off Abarth, and they fitted them to the cars, and then gave them a, 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 the Abarth name, but it was all a bit of a Scam? Can I call it a scam? Probably a bit of a bit of a harsh way of putting it, but they're not really a bath at all. So let's go now to the early noughties. Let's go to around 2005, 2006 time, where my phone is ringing, um, and I'm not. It's <laughs> so my friend Matthew's calling me about a bike ride. I'm going uh, with him in uh, about an hour's time. Um, so. I'm gonna call him back later, put my phone down. So yeah, um, early noughties, Bath wanted to make a return. They wanted to reinvent Bath by making another Abarth 500 because the Fiat 500 new shape which is now old, so it's the old new 500, came back. So they wanted to make a sporty version. So as a bit of a tester, Fiat wanted to see if people actually still wanted these sporty small Fiat cars. So they brought around a sporty version of the Panda 100 HP. Um, 100 HP giving a clue that it has 100 horsepower, although it doesn't. It has 99. We'll come to that later on. So... um, Long story short, it was a massive success, so the Abarth 500, Abarth 595, 695, etc, all came to this earth, so if it wasn't for the Panda 100 HP, you know, Abarth owners, you wouldn't be so happy, I don't think. It might have happened, but you can't say for sure. So, the Fiat Panda 100 HP arrived in 2006, after quite a while of engineering, trying to get it all right and they did a really good job. The production run was about five years, so its production started in 2006, and it finished in 2010. Although, the models um, ended, so it's quite difficult to explain, in 2011. So you can get an 11 reg Fiat Panda 100 HP, or a 60 reg, should I say. Uh, that's when they made them to September 2011. But, these cars were made in 2010, so if you have a 2011 Panda, it was 99% made in 2010. Um, basically, it's just the old batch, put it that way. They're not the old batch, they're perfectly fine. But they were just late entries to British roads and, you know, roads just in general, all around the world. So, um, that's easier to describe it. So, technically, it was a four-year production run. Um, but what a good production w- run it was. There were 2,000 brought over to the UK. And I can tell you that now, uh, or back in 2020, sorry, there are only 1,500 left. That is it. 75% of Panda 100 HPs are still on the road. 25% gone. That is it. That hits hard, doesn't it, really? That's shocking. They are a rare car. There's no, there's no doubt about that. Um, so there we go, the Panda 100 HP, it's no Porsche 911, GT3 RS or anything, but magazines such as Evo Magazine, Top Gear, they all really liked it because it was quite peppy and charming, and it had such fantastic handling characteristics, that's what this car was mostly about, was the handling, um, and mostly how it handled the B roads, because it is a lot of fun. Now if you're new to the Piston podcast, then I've got to explain that we actually own one of them cars, it's on the driveway. Um, and it, it's probably convenient that my dream car is a cheaper one because if it was a Ferrari F40, probably wouldn't have one of them in my drive, let's be honest. Um, but um, yeah, if you're a regular listener, then you know all about the Fiat Panda 100 horsepower ready because I tend to ramble on about it every single podcast and I'm constantly talking about it on social media as well. So if you know me um, online or in person, then you'll know. A lot about the car because I keep going on about it, so I can only apologize to them people. So, history lesson over, I think we should move on to some of the specs for the Panda 100 HP. So, price new was just under £10,000, it was £9,995, which is a very, very good price. Now, a 1.2 top of the range spec Panda was for sale for I think just under seven grand, so an extra three grand. Got you a sportier version of that car. The extra three grand. You don't see that on cars anymore. A sporty version of a hot hat of a hatchback, is a lot more money. It's like it could be double the price, for example. Take the GR Yaris, right, which costs, I'd say, north of thirty grand. A standard Yaris costs just under twenty grand. That's a, that's a lot of extra money, but this was just three thousand pounds more for a much better. Much more fun car and definitely worth the money. Now they are worth about two thousand two hundred pounds. So you, you can get really ropey ones for just an, under a grand. But really, if you want it to work and be reliable and look nice, spend a bit more money. That is my recommendation. And I've been looking at them on the market for the past two or three years. Even owning one, I just I'm constantly looking them up on eBay and Auto Trader. And I have noticed a rise in them two or three years. It's quite incredible. Slowly, but it is happening, so these cars are going to appreciate even more. Uh, that is almost guaranteed. And I don't want to be one of them people to use this cliche, but I'm gonna do it anyway. It's a future classic. Oh, I think I said this last uh, on the last podcast about the cliche future classic and how I don't really agree with it, or it might have been a conversation I had in person um, with the guy who just rung me, Matthew, um, but we'll save that for another time. But yeah. It's definitely rising in price. Now, a really, really good, well-sorted one can be around three grand. That's a lot of money. But if it's a low miler, maybe 60,000 miles, maybe a bit less, good condition, show condition maybe, then I'd say that's worth it. But just don't be spending any more than three and a half grand just yet, I'd say, at time of recording, May 2021. Um, if You might be listening to this in 2030. And if so, it might be worth 20 grand. I doubt it, but I hope so, because uh, that would be... <laughs> a good investment, put it that way. So, it is powered, this is important, by a 1.4 litre 16-valve, naturally aspirated, four-cylinder engine. Now, it's a very, very similar engine to the T-Jet 1.4 engine you get in the Bath 500, so it's basically the same engine, although I got told off saying it's the same engine because it's got some some slight tweaks, but it's a very similar engine, just with the added turbo, so this is the non-turbocharged version. And I've been in an Abarth, and obviously I've been in the Panda a lot, um, because on the drive, as I just said. And the difference is quite massive. If you want power and straight-line speed, yes, go for the Abarth, because it's quite a lot faster. I mean, the extra 35 horsepower makes a difference, okay? It just does. But, I'd argue that the naturally aspirated engine is more fun, because you have to rev it out, and I I think the power is a bit more linear, and I just prefer it, really. Naturally aspirated engines, you don't get them a lot anymore. They're a lot more special, so I prefer that engine, but that could just just be me being a bit biased towards the Panda there, but we'll gloss over that. That 1.4 litre um, 16-valve engine produces 99 brake horsepower. Now, (laughs) <laughs> this is a funny argument. Should it be called the Fiat Panda 99 horsepower? I'm going to say that that would just be uninteresting and idiotic, so I don't blame Fiat for calling that 100 horsepower. But apparently there's some science behind this, or some maths. Because in Italy, they use a different, um, different sort of, oh, what's, what's the word? Different... Oh, where is it? Different unit to us in the UK. So it is 100 horsepower, but I think 99 brake horsepower. So that's getting very specific there, a bit too boffinry really. But it's around 100 horsepower, put it that way. Not anymore, because they would have lost a bit of uh, lost a bit of power over time, shall we say. Um, the Panda produces 97 pound-foot of torque, and that is at 4,250 RPM. Just like to point out, Max... Brake horsepower is at 6,000 RPM, because yes, the red line is quite extensive on this panda. It's 6,600 RPM red line, which is decent. And we haven't taken it up to that, because kind of scared it's going to explode. But we have taken it to 6,000, and it sounds like an angry bee's nest. Another cliche, but it really does. And and, and just wait for when I say it handles like a go kart or handles like it's on rails. Another cliche. Full of cliches, this podcast, but it's true with this car. It just is. Um, It's front-wheel drive, obviously. Now, this may stir a few people away, people that like all-wheel drive or maybe rear-wheel drive, but the Panda handles its power really well through the front wheels, and it's because it weighs not a lot at all. 975 kilograms is not a lot for a car. Um, Nowadays, anyway, a lot of cars with all their modern tech stuff weigh well over a tonne. This is just under a tonne, and you can feel it going around the bend. It's a really, really nicely set up car. It's got a 6-speed manual gearbox, which is one of the highlights, one of the pros I've written down. And, because it's a 6-speed, you spend your time racing through these gears, and it's a lot of fun. Compared to the Abarth, which is a 5-speed gearbox, I prefer the 6-speed, but there's a disadvantage with the 6-speed gearbox, and it's the turning circle. Because it's got the extra gear, um, and the gearbox is at the front, as well with the steering rack and everything, the steering, um, the turning circle, sorry, is a lot smaller. Or maybe I should say greater. I don't know. What's the right way to say it? Put it this way, right? It's difficult to do a U-turn in one go, put it that way. So if you like nipping around town and you want something really agile and for the city, Maybe don't go for this car, but if you if you, if you don't then go ahead really it's tricked us a few times pulling into car park spots you really have to prejudge it and go for a full big swing otherwise you just won't make it in one go now let's get to the proper specs 0 to sixty miles per hour this is probably more relevant than top speed and all of that rubbish 0 to sixty miles per hour in the panda is nine point five seconds, which doesn't sound very impressive compared to a lot of today's cars but Trust me, it feels a lot quicker, because it's such a small car and the engine is quite loud, and we have a performance exhaust as well, which makes it a bit more exciting. It feels a lot quicker, so it's no tame animal at all. It's it's an absolute beast. Top speed is 115 miles per hour. Trust me, you would not want to go 115. We haven't been 115, because obviously the speed limit is 70. Uh, we've only been 70, I promise. That's uh, max speed, I promise. Um, and To be honest, it handles 70 miles per hour okay, because it's got the sixth gear as well. You're cruising at just over 3,000 RPM, so you can do motorway journeys. But I'd say anywhere north of 80, not that I've tried it, of course, is probably a bit sketchy. It's when it gets a bit hummy and a bit bouncy, because the suspension is quite firm. Um, I think it's actually 25% stiffer than the standard 1.2-litre Panda. So there's a little fact for you. Uh, It's a lot more rigid, so if you have a dodgy spine, then this is not the car for you, again. Um, As I said, it weighs 975 kilograms. CO2 emissions, 154 grams per kilometer, which is questionable, isn't it, really? But it's a naturally aspirated car, so we'll let it off. But I suppose it's a lot less than the 911 GT3, which is also naturally aspirated. I reviewed a few episodes ago. Recommended listen for you all. Uh, It's a four-seater. It's got five doors, so... Yeah, it only has four seats, but these four seats are usable. Um, now, I've got loads of stories to do with practicality about this car coming up in a minute. Uh, a bit of extra information for you. It was featured in Evo Magazine's Top 10 Italian Cars feature in the magazine, which says a lot. If it's Evo Magazine's, you know, Top 10 Italian car, then that is that really says something. It's not number one, I'm, a, I'm ashamed to say, but it's on the list, put it that way, and that's an achievement and very nice for the owners as well. It's a bit of a brag. And also, James May loves them. That is, he, he loves the Panda, doesn't he? And he drove 100 HP, and he loved it. He said it was one of the most fun cars he's driven. And he was a bit miffed, actually, because he bought a 1.2 Panda, and just a day later, the 100 HP came out. So he missed out on that boat a bit. But uh, there you go. Some alternatives for you are the Toyota Yaris T-Sport, the Renault Twingo RS133. Guess how much horsepower that has. Uh And the Suzuki Swift Sport. Now, they're all fantastic cars, right? No mistake about it. They are fantastic, but it's no Panda. So there we go. So win for the Panda. Pros and cons. Pros. Funky styling. It's very different from the crowd. That is clear. Now, I've got vivid memories about a year ago. This was, I think, just pre-lockdown. We had it for about a week and took it to go indoor skydiving. Took it to Manchester, it was. And we pulled up at a traffic light. Pulled up to the left was a Fiesta ST. Pulled up to the right was a Corsa VXR, and there were young people. And no joke, they were laughing at the Panda. And I'll never forget that, and I'm not even ashamed about it, it's quite funny, it's just something I laugh about now. Um, Yeah, not a lot of street cred, put it that way. Uh, And also, it's a nice engine and gearbox combination. It just is, okay? You're racing through the gears, The engine is humming away like nothing else. It's a really, really nice combination. And also another pro is I own one. So if you own one, you can say that this is actually the best car in the world because famous young motoring journalist, podcaster and YouTuber, Daniel Actares owns one. And that says a great deal and people will be like, whoa, okay, that maybe is a really good car. And next minute, everybody have one. But sadly, there isn't one for everybody, because as I said, there's only 1,500 of them left on UK roads. Cons? Cheaper quality. Now, I don't want to be one of them journalists that says, ooh, scratchy plastics, but, yeah, there's quite a lot of scratchy plastics in the Panda, but it's just something you get used to, really. But, I put in brackets, that's reflected in the price. This is under ten grand, so you're not going to get plush leather, or Alcantara, as it's called, or anything like that. It's going to be fairly cheap, but that's not what this car's about. It's about the driving pleasure, so you're not going to get CarPlay and all of these mod cons, okay? That's just how it works. Also, as I just said before, this is a con, maybe, I've put question marks after it, not much street cred. But then again, who cares? Because if you like the car, that is all that matters. But most people will see a panda and shake their heads, okay? That's just how it's going to be, I think. Um, And there might be the odd person that goes, ooh, it's a panda. But that'll just be me and the people on the forum, won't it really... Um, now, it's quite funny, when whenever we take the panda out, it's got the loud exhaust on it, and it's rumbling away, echoing on these buildings. People think there's something interesting, like a Subaru coming or something. They turn around and see a panda, you should see their faces, it's honestly hilarious. Uh, another con is, baths aren't much extra in price. Now, me personally, I'd completely ignore that, because I actually think the panda handles better, because it's lighter. and. I just, I just prefer it, really, but if, you, if you're if you talking in terms of power, the Abarth has more power, obviously, because of the added turbo, and they're not much extra in price, second-hand ones, anyway. Um, you can get them for around four grand, I think, for a decent older one, um, so that's not much extra money, it's just under double the price, but yeah, that's not a bad price, really, but me personally, I'd go for a Panda, just because it's different, isn't it? And it's nice to have a different car. In a world where most PC Most cars are PCP'd and they're all A-classes and BMW 1 Series and cars like that. You want something a bit different if you're an enthusiast, of course. And this is a very different car, let's make that clear. Now, um, I want to talk about practicality about this car, as I said I would just before. And I'm going to rewind back to August. Now, if you're a regular podcast listener and you've been listening for a while, Series 2 maybe, then you'll remember me talking about this. If so, maybe you can skip a couple of minutes. Uh, Actually, don't. Just listen anyway. You know, join us for the adventure. Um, We went to Cornwall. We went to Penzance, and it was sort of in the middle of the pandemic when it all calmed down and staycations could happen. And at the time, we had our Renault Scenic, family car, and our Panda, 100 HP. Now, common sense would say, bring the Scenic to Cornwall, because it's a 10-hour journey. There's four of us, plus a dog. We wanted to bring two bikes, all of our luggage. So, of course, the Scenic would be the logical answer me and my dad, being me and my dad and slightly strange, we decided actually maybe we should consider taking the Panda, just for a bit of a laugh. Because our thought was, when we get to Cornwall, it's going to be a fun car to whiz about in, isn't it? Around the Cornish lanes, maybe not with the turning circle, but we'll gloss over that. But um, just ragging it around, within the speed limit of course, uh, around Cornwall is just perfect. And there's quite a few Panda 100 HPs in Cornwall. Um, I think I saw about two. Um, and, funnily enough, we were actually spotted. A photo was sent to me on uh, on Facebook. Um, somebody who spotted us in the motorway, it's quite funny. And another reason is because we wanted to bring these bikes. We didn't actually have a bike rack for the scenic. And they couldn't go in the car, because it just wouldn't fit. So, we bought some roof bars for the Panda, and used that as an excuse. So we did take the Panda to Cornwall. Ten hours, ju- ten hour the journey was. Although, the journey there was twelve hours, I think, because the traffic was quite shocking. So, four people, a dog, two bikes on the roof and a lot of luggage and food and stuff about, and um, yeah, it, it was quite manic. People were laughing on social media. They, they loved watching it, but I don't think they would have loved to do it. But surprisingly, not, pe- not many people believe me when I say this. It was actually pretty easy, and I'm going to say that the 100 HP Panda is probably one of the better pocket rockets for long-distance motorway travelling because it's a 6-speed gearbox, and it's got an adequate amount of power. Up the hills, it was a bit more challenging. You're sort of in fourth, revving out at like 5,500 RPM. But, you know, most of the time in the motorway, you are fine. It's going to be fine. You know, cruising at 3,200 RPM is hardly a lake, is it? It's just fine. And um, that's the only way I can describe it. It's a fine car, really. And you can do long distances in it quite easily. Now, piston podcast rating. I couldn't give it a 5 out of five. Because I think that I'd just be not overdoing it, but underdoing it. 5 out of 5 is not good enough in this case. So, for the first time in Piston podcast history, I'm going to give it a 500 out of 5. Now, I know, again, that's a bit biased for me to be saying, but honestly, it's such a fun car. I've been in McLarens and, you know, some really extremely fantastic cars. And I'll always get back into the Panda afterwards and think, yeah, this is a fun car. Um I went to a uh, driving experience last year and I was driving Porsche 911 Turbo V8 supercharged F-type and cars like that. And then afterwards on private land I drove the Panda and it was a lot of fun. Just as fun because it's just a funny car and a car that I'll close to my I'll I'll hold close to my heart for probably the rest of my life. It's a such a funny funny fizzy little thing. It's fun. Now, specs aside now, we'll move away from that. And I want to provide for you a little buyer's guide, so things need to look out for if you are buying one of these fine motor cars. Now I've got some good news, I'd so just like to point out, I was recently approached, I had to keep this a secret but I can say it now because it's out, I was recently approached by a guy called Chris, who is the editor for Auto Italian magazine, fantastic magazine, really really interesting, especially for like Italian cars, asking that he'd watch my YouTube video about the Panda and if I wanted to write a buyer's guide. Obviously, I said yes. I mean, come on. Not even for money or anything like that. I just really like writing, and I like the Panda. So I was like, yes. Literally, I snatched his hand off through the telephone. Um, So I wrote an article. So if you get the latest issue of Auto Italia, which is available online on the Auto Italia website, or from WH Smith and maybe a few other shops, um, you can actually read my written buyer's guide in that magazine. It's a good read, and I really appreciate you buying it. And let me know what you think as well. Drop me a message, at DanielCars05. Um, now, I'm just going to give you a run through some of the things you need to look out for, because there is a few. Obviously, it's an older car now, 10 years old, over 10 years old, so there's a few things to look out for, as with every car. First of all, the bodywork. Now, the bodywork was built in Poland, as with the rest of the car, because Fiat has their plant in Tychy in Poland, so most of the cars, if not all of them, are made over in Tychy. So, they were, pre- they were built pretty well and they were they are quite solid. Although the the trim, the plastic trim can become a bit tiresome over over time and it can come off. So if you're missing trim, just make sure you're happy with that maybe. Or you reflect that in the price because finding the plastic trim is bloody hard is the only way I can explain it because there's not there's not much trim about, put it that way, as with quite a few parts. Um, there's not a lot of rust there's not a lot of rust issues in the panda but again it's worth looking with most cars of course it's going to be a bit of rust our example was really good because it's looked after in a garage um we're quite lucky of that actually C- approaching no- 100,000 miles now and it's solid all over it's quite amazing but that's been in a garage and again that was reflected in the price it was just north of 2200 i think so It was a good example, put it that way. Still is. Don't know why I said was. It is a good example, put it that way. So just have a poke around, really. Make sure that everything is okay. Um, Make sure the trim is on, the body panels are okay, the front end is not too stone chipped, because that will save you, won't it really? So, for rot, check the usual places, the cells, the arches, the boot floor, make sure you check that, you might forget it, and the chassis rails. Now it's got a rear beam axle at the back, so make sure you check that as well, because that can be a pain to replace quite a few hundred pounds, which is quite a lot. Check um, for uh, accident damage uh, as well because that is not very good. Be suspicious of any unusually clean parts, especially the rest of the car, isn't showroom fresh. That could be a sign it's been repaired, so question the seller about that and just make sure you get it right. Uh, Make sure the shuts are okay, trace your finger around it. Just make sure the bodywork is in good condition is what I'm trying to say, because that will make you feel like you're in a better car, put it that way. The engine as well. So, the 1.4-litre 16-valve fire engine it's known as, it's not going to catch fire, don't worry, has been around for many decades. It's quite robust, and that's why Vic um, still use them. But um, you still need to do the checks for blue smoke um, on cold start up. so just make sure you check that. So, have an assistant hold a piece of tissue over the exhaust and then start from cold. There shouldn't be an oily residue on the tissue after a certainly... Uh, after, and certainly not huge plumes of blue smoke. If there is, run, is what I'm going to say. Run away, run away quick, because that can be quite disastrous. Um, Also on Cold Start, listen for rattly valve gear, especially in higher mile cars. Uh, Check the engine oil condition, it should be a nice honey colour, not black, and there definitely shouldn't be any mayonnaise under the oil filler cap, indicating a failed head gasket. Check the belt has been changed. Fiat recommend this is done every five years, irrespective of mileage. If it's not been done, uh, the budget is around two hundred pounds. So make sure it's been done. If not, then just have to accept the fact it's going to need to be done. Um, so obviously the Panda revs to have quite a lot, six six as I said. So you don't want the belt snapping because um, that would mean you have to do a half engine rebuild, which would cost thousands. You don't want to do that. Next thing, next thing you need to look for, there we go, is the interior. So, the steering wheel, the seats, the bolsters especially, gear knob, just check it's all nice because obviously it's a cheaper interior. Uh, not the best condition, not the best quality, sorry. So make sure it is in good condition because, again, it just it just increases the the ownership of the car, the ownership experience. It's an Italian car, so make sure you check the electricals, the electrics in the car. Um, so, that's the mirrors, the trip computer, lights, wipers, water jets, etc. The tailgate should pop when you press and hold the button um, on the bottom of the key fob. Um, if it doesn't, the solenoid could need replacing. The climate system can be problematic, so make sure you go through every setting. Ensure you get hot and cold air on the appropriate setting and listen for odd noises as you uh, change through the settings. They cost the Earth to replace, literally. Quite funny, actually. Um, and also the power steering, we've had some issues, but a new battery re- um, solved that, but it could also be a torque sensor, or if not, even worse maybe, a new power steering motor, so make sure the power steering is good, just go lock to lock and just try it out in sport mode, and out of sport mode, because yes, it has sport mode, and it's so exciting. Um, the clutch... So, unlike the left-hand drive cars, right-hand drive ones are fitted with a hydraulic clutch. A very common fault is a squeaky pedal, which occasionally gets stuck down. So, when you first get into the car, operate the clutch pedal a few times and listen for telltale squeaks. This can, uh, this is most commonly caused by an iffy slave cylinder, which is relatively re- relatively cheap and easy fix. So that's not the end of the world, but just make sure it's good anyway, really. Um, so, if you're driving around at 30 in third and then flooring it, the rev should rise steadily, um, and if you change gear without any notches, um, or no play, then it's going to be fine, okay? Uh, and the gearbox is another thing to look look out for. Suspension. Now, it's a very rough car, so things are going to be shaked to death, um, so just make sure the suspension is in good condition. Other things to look for um, are the binding rear brakes on earlier models, rusty exhausts, uh, but don't get too hung up in this because it's it's pretty much fine really, it's it's quite cheap to do, and if I was you, I'd get a modified exhaust on it, it just makes it sound a bit more special, Um, which is fine. Uh, The fog lamps have a plastic diffuser in them which discolours, it doesn't affect the operation, it just looks a bit naff, and again they're harder to find. Um, The pattern lamps are around £15 uh, to replace, and not a massive amount. The wheels as well. Check them for any obvious flat buckles or cracks, or you know curb rashes because that's not very nice. Ours are powder coated in grey, which is really nice. It's a nice touch, and we've got the 100 HP side stripe, which again is a nice touch. Um, so yeah, just make sure everything's okay really, um, and you should be fine really. Running costs, they're fine really. It's a quite a cheap car to run, um, but the parts that's the problem. Um, they They can be quite pricey, that's just because the parts are quite rare to find. Some of them are okay, but some of them are quite hard. Um, And I speak from experience, Um, trying to find a sun visor, which was difficult, that was a challenge. Um, So, there we go. It's quite an easy car to modify, because it's so small and cheap, and the Fiat scene is quite great. Um, In terms of packs, there's a pandemonium pack, which includes dark alloys, satin titanium mirror covers, Red brake calipers and a contrasting pinstripe. There's the Hi Fi pack, which is a six speaker system including underseat subwoofers. Uh, there's, uh, that's it. The, the, they're the two packs you get, I believe. And there might be a few more, but they're not written down here. Um, in, in terms of colours, there is uh, Dark Wave Black, Rumba Red, and Electrocrash Grey. But there was also Bossa Nova White. Uh, coming in 2008, that's when it, well, that's when it arrived, uh, with a switch to Paso Doble Red. So Electrocash Grey is the only colour unique to the 100 HP, so that's sort of the OG colour for the 100 HP, and ours is in Electrocrash Grey. It's a nice colour when it's clean. Uh, oh, and an- another pack for you It's the Skydome pack, which is the optional op- opening panoramic glass roof. It's cool, but it adds weight and reduces headroom, so it's worth considering if you're on the tall side. So that's it, really. That is a sort of um, run through of the uh, nice-to-haves, the running costs and what to look out for, because there is a few things to look out for. Excuse me if you just heard my brother running up the stairs screaming. Uh, He's probably watching a football match or something and overexcited. But there we go, there's a few things to run through. I think we're running up to the end now, so if I was to describe this car in one word, it would be Friendly, I think. Or maybe peppy. That's two words, isn't it, really? I've just said there, but I'll excuse myself anyway, because it's my own podcast. But it is such a great car, and if you want one of these, just, you know, bite the bullet and just do it, okay? Do it, because they are going to rise in price. It's guaranteed, because they're so rare and interesting. And they're a lot of fun. They will make you happier. They just will. Um, Now, if you want to have a look at Evo magazine, what they said about the car, then have a look at issue 101 of Evo magazine, where they reviewed it. It's a good review, and they loved it. It's one of Evo's favourite cars. Um, And Evo know their stuff. Let's make that very clear. So, um, if you want more content on the Panda, and my Panda specifically, then do go on my YouTube channel, Daniel Drives. Subscribe as well, Daniel Drives. Um, Because I've done a few videos now about the Panda, and some of the videos Interesting watches. So I've done what I like about it, or why I like it, why I like it so much, and a walk-around review, very specific. Uh, a drive, replacing some visor, MOT prep. There's quite a few things on there now, and there's only more to come. So make sure you subscribe for that. Um, there we go. Really, I can't believe I haven't done this podcast yet. I've meaning I've been meaning to review this car, the Panda Hundred HP, since its podcast started in late 2019. Uh, but I just I just really didn't get around to it, and I wanted to make it special, and I've had the time to plan for it, and it has involved quite a bit of planning, so it's done now, that is it. Now, back in the olden days, when I used to present a community radio show, um, which was great, I miss my radio days, I do, but you got to move on, um, I actually reviewed this car, so that'll be online somewhere as well, I'm pretty sure, don't know where, it's a long time ago now, you know, two, three years ago now, um, but yeah, that's random bits, and Also, another thing to point out is I'm constantly posting panda things on social media. So, again, cheeky plug, give me a follow on social media at DanielCars05. Now, let's put the panda aside, because, as I said, this is the last episode of the series, which I'm quite devastated about, actually, because I do really like doing this podcast. And Series 3 has been a really, really fun podcast to do. We've had 15 episodes, and each one of them have been... Really fun. We've had a lot of guests. I think maybe the most guests we've had in a series for the Piston Podcast. So let's just run through what we've had so far, uh, this series, um, because we've had some really interesting conversations, just me, and with guests as well. So episode one um, was just after 2021 started, so that was the 1st of February um, after my month-long break. Um, and that was when I reviewed the Citroen Ami and talked about the future of city mobilisation. That was interesting. Episode 2 saw the first guest. I was joined by D Taylor, car detailer, Lewis Mackland uh, from Scotland. He's great. He's he's such a cool dude. He owns an MG3 and has recently acquired a BMW 320d E92, I think it is. And just a quick clue, for Series 4, he'll be returning to the podcast along with another guest. That's maybe a clue. Um, and we talked about British Leyden and stuff like that, and that was a lot of fun. Episode 3 was the VW Golf R review. Now, the Mark Golf R is an interesting car. It's very controversial. You either hate it or love it. I also discussed the Tesla Tri-Motor and the Litchfield Saga. You'll remember that, with the Toyota G I Yaris and the Influencer, which we still don't know about, and Litchfield Episode 4 was another guest. I was joined by Simon who was a really, really, really decent chap. He was lovely to talk to. And that was about an hour long, that podcast, so apologies. But it was a great chat. Now, he was the founder of Arrow Vintage Cars. or well, not the founder. It was um, a family-run business, and he's taken over since. And it was great to talk to him, because he's got a fleet of such extraordinary cars. Um, so definitely a good podcast to listen to. Uh, we also talk about car importing and stuff like that. Just... Cars, just endless cars. Episode 5 was another guest. I was joined by Alan Bradley, who is one of the co hosts of the Motoring Podcast, along with Andrew Clues. Now, the Motoring Podcast is a great podcast, I'm going to say that. Um, it's great. It's a news show, so a bit more serious than this one, uh, with the with the occasional laugh. It's a great thing to listen to, so I can recommend it. And he's a Toyota Yaris freak, a bit like me, but more. Uh, freaky. He just absolutely loves them, which I find great. So that was a good podcast to listen to as well. Episode 6 was another guest. There's a bit of a theme here. And it was Ian Soman. We chatted about motorsport, commentating, and motoring journalism. He's a commentator for 750 Motor Club and an all-round decent guy. He's, he's a great person to talk to. At number 7, at number seven, sorry, episode 7, I feel like I'm doing a chart, um, I reviewed the Audi e-tron GT and I compared it with the Porsche Taycan. Um, and I also talked about the latest motoring news, as with every podcast. And it was a good thing to compare, actually, because, obviously, Porsche and Audi are linked in the family tree of Volkswagen. So, these cars are very highly regarded, and cars you can actually compare. Episode 8. Now, this was a uh, a really sad one, and one that I never never wanted to do. And it was a tribute to Sabine Schmitz, the late Sabine Schmitz, who was an absolute legend. And um, I reviewed the BMW M3 in honour, which is one of her favourite cars. And um, yeah, that was very sad, but um, it was nice to pay tribute to her because she was so incredible. And again, there was the, there's the Sabine Schmidt tribute on the BBC iPlayer, which uh, sees all of the past and present Top Gear presenters celebrating her life. So yeah, quite a touching podcast, that one, um, one to listen to as well because she's she's just amazing or... Yeah, just incredible, incredible woman. Uh, Episode number nine was a review of the Hyundai i20N, another pocket rocket, uh, which is sort of a modern equivalent to the Panda 100 HP, you could say. And I talked about many old Porsches because it was that week I got shown around a nice old 911, so that's nice chat. Episode 10 was another guest, and it was Jake Bill, who, again, is another great guy, they're all great guys, they're so lovely people to talk to, and he's a fellow YouTuber for the Walls Wheels YouTube channel, we chatted about Fiat Panda 100 HPs, because he's a fellow owner, Uh, his classic Mini and classic Renault McGanns, a really, really good podcast, and I'll always remember, recorded that after I had a lovely barbecue, so my stomach was sort of burbling Doing that one, it was it was lovely. Uh, and number eleven was the Volkswagen ID. Four review I did. The ID. Four was a family SUV, uh, electric powered by Volkswagen, set to sell really really well. And I talked about a burning heated seat story, which was quite funny to do. Um, and number twelve, episode twelve, was another guest. It was Charlie Mugglestone. Um, And he is a MX-5 racing driver, great guy again, and owner of many, many cars. He just buys cars constantly, it seems, and he owns a BMW 1M, and that says a lot about him. Bit of a legend. So listen to that one as well. Episode 13 was uh, one of my favourite reviews to do, a car I was really looking forward to, and it was the Porsche 911 GT3. I reviewed that, and I also reviewed a Ford Transit. Yep, two of the most extreme cars in a podcast 911 GT3 and a Ford Transit and that's because we rented a Ford Transit so I talked about what that was like episode 14 the one prior to this was the Peugeot 508 PSE um, SW which is Peugeot's hybrid estate car hot estate car lovely thing um, and I also talked about the latest car news again really and then episode 15 was a piston podcast special this one where I talked about the Panda and a bit of a uh, a memory thing going back in time uh, series 3 So, that is it, really. It's time to wrap this one up. That is a a quick run-through. Really, all I can say is a massive, massive thank you. The support uh, I get for this podcast is just incredible. So, thank you to everybody who's been messaging me on social media, emailing, um, saying how much they love it, because it really helps and just spurs me on to do even more. So, I really appreciate it. And a massive thank you to the guests we've had on. It's really good. So, Charlie, Jake, Ian, Alan, Simon and Lewis. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you all. And listeners, thank you for listening. Obviously, this podcast wouldn't be a thing without the listeners because otherwise I would stop it if there weren't any listeners because what would be the point? But people obviously do listen and people really enjoy it. So really, I can only say thank you, thank you, thank you. The third series, I cannot believe it. It's shocking, really. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how long this break is going to be. But Series 4 is going to be happening and it will be within the next few months as well. It may be a month break, it might be a two-month break, it might be a two-week break, it depends really. But if you want updates, make sure you're following me on social media at Carso 5 and the podcast on Twitter at Piston Um, I think that's it really, that's one of them podcasts where I don't want to end it, but I have to. Um, Very, very sad indeed. So again, thank you all for listening so much, I really, really do appreciate it and all I can say really is stay safe, Um, and hopefully I'll see you very, very soon with more car reviews, more interviews, so if you do want to be interviewed on the podcast, do get in touch, um, and we can get it arranged for Series 4, a bit more promotional nonsense, and yeah, I will see you, hopefully, in the not too distant future. Thank you for listening, everybody, and I will see you very soon. Cheerio! Thank you for listening to this episode of the Piston Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Just before you go, remember you can follow me on social media at danielcarzo 5 and you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Piston Podcast. See you next time for more interesting car chat.